Welcome to Series 2 of the Damn Good Podcast, your one-stop shop for employee benefits and financial education to the hospitality industry. Brought to you by Davidson Asset Management. I'm Alex Keddy, or AK56, your host and corporate benefits specialist. In each episode, I'm joined by an expert from a different field within hospitality. From restaurants to catering, luxury hotel management to regional operations, we're asking the big questions to help you, our listeners, arm yourself with the knowledge about the three R's, recruitment, retention and reward, and how employee benefits play a part in that. Who knows, we might even have some laughs along the way. We're joined today by Derek Rustle, HR Director at the Four Seasons Park Lane. Hello, Derek. Welcome. Hello, Alex. Great. Um, great to be here. That's terrific. Thank you for uh, taking up our invite. We're delighted to have you on to Series 2 of our uh, podcasts. So I know your role encompasses more regions than just the UK. Perhaps to start, maybe you could give the listeners an insight into your journey as to how you reached where you are at just now in your career and expand on perhaps um, your current role and remit. Well, thanks, Alex. Uh, yeah, so... Gosh, where do I begin? Uh, I'm sure every 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 guest you have um, starts with, with that sort of same same impression of you know where do you where do you begin? That's exactly it, Derek. And normally there's some little things that I'd never find out. You know, people say explain it, and I go, my goodness, I didn't know, I didn't yeah. know about that. So. so let's go let's go right back to the beginning. So I, as you know, I'm from from Scotland, from the southwest of Scotland. Uh, I was brought up in a, a really small town, uh, a rural town uh, called Moniave in the southwest. Um, really small, only about 450 people. So uh, my dad was a farmer. I was brought up on a farming community. Didn't so very connected with uh, with the land and uh, everything to do with the, the old geography world was, was what really interested me at that time. So that's Dumfries and Galloway. Dumfries and Galloway, uh-huh. yeah. In I south, know that in well. Newton Stewart, I know that. Just, just yeah. a beautiful, um, beautiful place to be to be raised. And uh, But of course, when you know, you are brought up in the country, you, you do aspire sometimes to, to get out of that. And, and one of the things that I was absolutely sure of was that, you know, the, the, the farming world was definitely not for me. Uh, and I really wanted to, to do something else. So but I, did you have other siblings? Did they take it on? Or was yeah, your parents no, a bit disappointed? No, you no didn't my, take my, it my dad was a farm worker, so we didn't oh, right, actually so, yeah. own the farm. Right, and, right. you know, we, we were certainly not brought up around wealth of any form. Mm-hmm. So aspiring to go to university was was actually quite important for me. Uh, no one in, in our family had ever been to university before. Uh, but we were sort of surrounded, certainly I was surrounded by by a great group of friends. Most of them uh, were on that natural journey of going to university. And, you know, sometimes when you are with, you know, some, some close friends who carry you along on that journey, it just felt like a really, a really natural progression. And before I knew it, I was off to, I was off to Strathclyde University and studied in, in Glasgow. Um, I started with a business degree. Uh, the business, the, well, the reason for business was just because I felt that it was the best opportunity to actually you know, get a career and kick off on a journey. Um, and, you know, starting at that point, you know, you have all of these subjects in a business school and you're like, well, where do I begin? You know, which ones do I choose? Economics. Uh, yeah, it's, it's so, so many of them. And of course, at that time, you could also do cross-faculty subjects, so... You know, I actually was able to carry on geography because of my interest in, in, in land and country and, and all those things. So I still did that. But one of the interesting subjects at that time was uh, human resource management. So, of course, that was uh, first year, brand new subject. And I remember thinking to myself, I have absolutely no idea what that is. 
<laughs> was that the days when it, before it was called HRM then rather than personnel? Because I can remember that, personnel, was it? Yeah, that was a, well, that was the very first year Strathclyde University brought that in as a subject. But I guess most organisations back then had personnel departments, personnel management um, do you think that's a better leaders. title? Do you think it's, what title do you think should HR? Oh, do you think there's gosh, always a debate about HR <laughs> and then personnel and you think, well, what does that actually mean? But yeah, it's... Uh... Well, that, that debate has been ongoing and, you know, even now in the current day, most of uh, most of our divisions or departments are people and culture. So it has already yes. transitioned from personnel management, human resource management, and now into uh, people and culture. So... It's it, we, we definitely see that trans, transgression and, and movement, and I think maybe you know later in in this session we will talk a little bit more about you know why that is and, and the difference with that. But in terms of the journey, you know, I, I sort of took up the subject, and and before I knew, after four years, I had a degree in in human resource management and marketing. Uh, so it, it really sort of sort of grabbed a hold of me, and I guess that was really because of this concept of of people, the importance of people in organisations. How do you you get the best out of the people that you work with, and that's you know just a, such an important part of of the world that we live in, uh, and and you know being so, I guess, you know new to the world of work at that time, it was thinking actually I could apply this anywhere. You know it was going to open up windows and opportunities to to really just you know get a career and and you know get get my get myself moving. It's interesting that you actually did a degree in actual what you're coming mm. out because a lot of people that I've interviewed in the past have sort of said they fell into mm. sort of HR you know they, they went into their career and then they sort of progressed into the human resources or HR people or culture whatever you want to call it mm. now but that's how they went but you actually identified it as one of your things you wanted to do at university which is terrific yeah yeah I think I was well I have been incredibly lucky and, and incredibly fortunate because I've been able to combine my my love for hospitality, my love for for people and people management, and you know when you can bring that together and form your your career. I mean, I've now been just under twenty five years in the hospitality world, and I wouldn't really have it any other way now. You know, it's it's just it, it's been a it's been a career where I've really felt at home. I felt as though I've I've really been able to. To you know, find my place, be myself, be able to to work with a with a fantastic company that, that really supports that. Do you think um, when you think about hospitality being so important, it's a people business basically. That is it. That's the whole point. Of hospitality. Have you worked in HR in other sectors, other industry sectors, or has it always been in hospitality? Yeah, I I started straight out of straight out of university. I I was lucky to find a role a HR coordinator role with Hilton and of course being in, in Scotland Hilton was you know one of the the larger hotel chains one of the, the more well-known brands uh, and there was an HR coordinator role that came up and I was very lucky to 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 get it and I worked with Hilton uh, for five years at the very, very beginning of my career and and I, I still put that down as being such a wonderful foundation uh, not only did I work in in the sort of HR uh, field but I also had an opportunity to be a food and beverage manager and to really get some understanding of of the the wider operation and you know I talk to you know many of our new starters who join us uh, now in the industry and I, I, I often refer to that as being one of the defining moments for me is is to expand your your knowledge to be curious about how you know businesses operate and 
really try and find your place. And back then, I didn't know where my place was. I didn't know whether it was operations or whether it was in people management. Uh, I knew that hospitality was was the sector that was going to, you know, provide that opportunity. And and it still does. I mean, to this very day, Alex, hospitality provides such wonderful opportunity for people. And I just, I don't think that is spoken about enough. I don't think it's celebrated enough. Uh, and I don't think that, you know, people today value what that sector brings um, to our communities and, and brings to, to careers for people. That's really interesting, Derek. I mean, because there's a couple of points that you I would like to sort of explore a bit further. If that's right. I mean, one of the things you mentioned, actually, about the fact that you've got experience, uh, you went food and be- beverage. And Serious One, for those listeners that have followed and kept the, kept the faith and listened to the other podcasts, obviously it was COVID had a big impact on it. And one of the things that I did find was that a lot of the HR and finance had to muck in and do other departments' work. And, I, and when I say muck in, it's leadership, you know, showing the leadership. They were actually getting down and, dare I say, dirty with certain areas. And it was gave them a no... It's like a new sort of respect for the people, their employees that were doing the job because they realised how difficult it is to do some of the jobs that those people were doing. So that, that was came loud and clear um, on that. And then another aspect that I've, having, you know, working in financial services, but being very much finding a niche to work with um, the hospitality arena and, and privileged to work in the hospitality arena with you guys in that, um, is the fact that I find that in the UK, hospitality's got a sort of, I don't know, still with the youngsters, as a, there's no, but your passion comes through loud and clear. That's what we need. We need more people being sort of figureheads, I guess, to try and get more people to realise the, the opportunities that exist within hospitality. Yeah, I, I hear very often from you know other hospitality uh, and HR leaders about uh, the fact that hospitality is not spoken about enough. That you know we are continually going into schools and colleges, and we're 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 you know trying to share our true experiences so that you know we do have that role model for for you know the younger generation today to see that and see what it offers. Uh, but I I think that we're we're well off the mark. I don't think, uh, and and again, I'm I'm only speaking for what sort of data tells me that I've been reading that, you know, it's not spoken about as much in schools. It's not been put forward as a career option for a lot of individuals, and and people don't recognise it for what it is. And, you know, and I've I've seen over many of the years that we've you know been hiring um, EU talent and worldwide talent. We we see a, a very different enthusiasm and attitude towards our industry. Well, I was going to bring that up because you obviously have part of your remit is other countries as well. I understand, you know, you, you look after other countries. That was one of the, the points was to think about how does the UK, especially the, the I know it's the luxury market here in, in London, but generally when you deal with other countries that's in your remit, do they have same sort of challenges or issues or, or do you find that they don't have that hang up about hospitality and they do see the value in having that as a as a career as opposed to just a university mm-hmm. job, which is again from series one came across loud and clear that in the UK a lot of people just see it as a stepping stone. And I guess parents could be to blame for that to a certain extent. Well, not blame, but to be fair, not maybe helping their children to understand mm-hmm. what hospitality is available for. Well, them. I mean, I think that was a very interesting part of my own journey because I only fell into hospitality because you know being brought up in a and a sort of rural community where you know you you really have to 
you know, earn your money to survive. You know, my, my dad was particularly passionate about, you know, earn your buck and, and get out there as soon as you get to the age of 14, 15. And, and that was really exciting. You know, it was exciting because, you know, we didn't have much money. So earning a little bit of money was, was good, great fun. Uh, and, and the only place local to us was a little hotel. It's called Woodley Hotel, a little place. And maybe had 14 bedrooms. It was, it, it, and what's funny about reflecting on this is, you know, vacations for us as a family back then were in caravans. They were not in hotels. Absolutely, absolutely. I'd never, I'd never been, I'd never stayed in a luxury hotel. So it's quite, it's quite ironic that, you know, my career trajectory <laughs> has taken me from caravans in the southwest of Scotland to, to working in a, in a luxury environment. Don't knock so, the caravans in the southwest no, of Scotland. No, and you know what? We had the most amazing vacations. You know, we, we travelled around, you know, the coastlines of Scotland. And, and even to today, I, I reflect back on just how special Scotland is, you know, to I, I openly you know convince people to go and have their vacations up north. But from that point of view of just falling into hospitality, I, I took that with me to my university days because it was the only thing that I knew. So you sort of rely on the experiences that you've built. And I worked in some restaurants in, in Glasgow. Um, one was a French brasserie. I worked with Rangers Football Club. I got some banqueting experience. Oh, that could be. That would be was, an interesting. Uh, yeah. Which was a super, super experience. I actually had, the, had the, a great opportunity to do my university dissertation with, with Rangers Football Club, which was just, uh, you know, for any listeners who are perhaps football supporters, they'll know how exciting that can be if you're a fan of a club to be able to do that. Other teams are available, by the way. <laughs> so, so that was that was just you know a really nice part of the journey. And then you know as I then moved on from my Hilton days, I took an opportunity to travel around the world with Royal Caribbean for for three years um, as a training and development manager, and, and had probably the time of my life. And I and I say that so openly because if you think of where I'd come from, being in a very rural community, to then going into a city but staying within Scotland having never travelled and and I often say this to people and don't believe me but you know I hadn't been in an aeroplane until I was the age of 21 so you know to then be you know faced with travelling around the world on a cruise ship that actually I had only ever seen in pictures I'd never actually visualised was, was actually an incredible step forward in just me building my skill set as a person you know I was able to just be me for, for once which was just an amazing step forward and I think that's what's coming through loud and clear is that if you work in hospitality, it's a, as I said before, people person, but it, the, the development of your skills and talents brings that out. Because you can have, you're dealing a lot with the public, obviously, you know, the passengers or in your case or, or guests. And it's having that person or people, I don't know the word actually, maybe that's wrong when to say people skills, but it really is fascinating to see how you've got to, as an individual, you have, that can be, carried forward into your, your overall outlook on life generally um, having those skills mm -hmm. which I think is totally undervalued by people who perhaps don't necessarily work in that arena. Yeah and, and then of course you know I, I took the step to to leave um, cruising after three years and came down to London and uh, and then I joined um, I joined Four Seasons back in uh, 2012 and I've been with them now for 11 years uh, and, and as you rightly said I've been in a, in a regional role for, for five of those years uh, really supporting some of our hotels in in Africa and uh, and then some projects that cover uh, EMEA. So it's a really I, I'm super super fortunate. I, I can't say that enough of to have worked with some amazing people who've just you know been mentors and guides that you know have have just had faith in 
my ability and just being able to um, you know guide and shape my career for me and I'm just I'm super super proud of that well you've done terrific terrific so thank you for that Derek um one other year again to explore you, you you must have been delighted to secure the HR and hospitality HR team of the year award last year um without giving away too many of your secrets um can you share a bit as to what your sort of submission sort of entailed and why do you think that um, perhaps the judges found that to sort of stand out? Is there any, and, and also maybe give some insight into for potential listeners who maybe are thinking about um, putting forward uh, an entry, maybe mm. get some thoughts as to the sort of, you know, approach that had such a success for you mm. last year. I, I can't tell you how proud we were to, to pick up that award. I mean, it's, it's just the most incredible piece of recognition for any team to have you know the industry that you work in celebrate that with you you know so it was it was definitely the highlight of, of last year for and it's not about me it's not it's about the team you know these the the, the fantastic um, colleagues that I work with and the amazing leaders throughout our business that that actually help us to drive the employee experience because I, I think the the key thing for me when I was sort of putting together the submission is and I know this might sound very obvious to, to listeners, but answer the question. <laughs> because I always feel that when you're putting in submissions, particularly if there's three or four questions, is don't put all of your evidence in one question and avoid the other three when we know that submissions are scored. So if you want to really make sure that you are answering the question, uh, and of course, part of answering the question is, to be able to substantiate what it is that you're putting into your submission. And I really focused heavily on what were our KPIs? What had we actually achieved? Uh, what were the, the tangible results? What were the outcomes? Just you know, so KPIs, very clear. key, key yeah, performance yeah, indicators. Key, key key indicators. Yeah, so just really thinking about, you know, what did we what did we set up going into the year? What did we actually achieve and why did we achieve it? What was the outcomes that we achieved? And I think if you break all of that down, and put it into, you know, some some context with some really strong numbers to support what it is that you've done, then, you know, you have a you have a good submission. And to be honest, you know, Alex, it's not about winning; it's about being able to go with your team and celebrate what it is that you've achieved. Being on a short list is as impressive as being the winner. You I know, take it you've been just, on a short list before, have you? Yes, I mean, yes, I, yes. I, many times, many times, <laughs> but. But it's, you know, these nights when we can come together and that night was particularly special because we hadn't as an industry been together for a long Absolutely. time. And, and there were so many industry colleagues that, that I knew that, you know, we were just walking around the room and it was it was one of those times when we could start, you know, giving each other hugs and celebrating being in each other's presence and, and the, the great work that we're doing across the industry because we'd come out of such a hard time. That's, you know? And yeah. it really was time for us to, to, to just celebrate the work that we'd all been doing to get ourselves and our and our businesses back to back to a place of of forward thinking rather than being reactive React, to, yeah. to what was working around us and that kind of leads me nice nice little link there to my other question really i was just sort of saying are many of the strategies invoked in you winning the award last year still relevant to today's environment in terms of Obviously, the the award that you got was on the back, you know, because it was coming out, as you quite rightly said, the pandemic. Um, it's thankfully a distant memory. But I suppose now we're still lurching into another issue, the financial crisis. 
So again, that's hitting your employees' pockets, you know, because the energy crisis, people are sort of struggling to, to make ends meet and that. So I thought maybe it would be sort of a, an idea to, how, how do you think, how, how important do you think financial education is to your employees yeah. in, in terms of making them aware of what support you can provide as an organisation, but also just generally being, being there for them at a time of potential yeah. financial hardship? I mean, I think there's, there's a few areas here. And if I can just come back to the question just a second, because when I spoke earlier about the transition from personal management to human resource management to people and culture, that in itself about how we actually ma manage and lead our teams and people and has really put culture at the, at the forefront of our employee experience. And I think that has never been more prominent and important on the back of, of the pandemic. You know, we've, we've seen that, you know, organizations have really had to think hard about what are we doing to um, encourage talent to join us? What are we doing to retain our talent? What are we doing to to show that, that our, our employees are, are people who we care about, that we have a real, real sense of importance around their well-being and, and, and who they bring to our, our business. So I think that, that that natural transition through the focus on the division and the, the, the function, as you'd say, but now on, on where we are today, it's all about employee experience and it's all about how do we encourage our teams to be themselves. And a lot of that is about being an empathetic leader, being compassionate about uh, the situations that come up and and a huge part of that Alex is financial education but financial education is just one part because you know if you look at well-being and wellness you know well-being to you is different from well-being to me yeah. so it, it's how we create a full spectrum of uh, employee benefits and initiatives that that really tick the box for everybody regardless of where they're from, regardless of their situation, um, but allows them to feel as though they have a sense of belonging, they have someone who cares for them, and they have someone who's going to listen to them. And, and that is really much sort of sums up our, our Four Seasons approach to how we lead our people. Yeah, the crux of the Yeah, no, that's, that's really useful and very good, wise um, words. I mean, I guess... <laughs> Well enough, it's again led me on to the... Have you seen my script? <laughs> on the general topic of recruitment, I mean, how much of a collective team effort is the process? Um, I saw on LinkedIn, uh, being obviously a key offering, I saw some of your colleagues uh, and other team, you know, team members uh, doing their stuff, you know, when I was watching the videos on LinkedIn. And I was wondering, how effective is this in attracting individuals or is it more just getting name awareness out there? And more importantly... When are we, I didn't see you in any of them. So when are you going to get your acting debut? Because um, I don't think I saw you in any of those. <laughs> and, you know, I have a confession to make. Because when we were doing our filming, I actually had COVID at the time. So my acting debut has been put on hold until the next <laughs> video that we do. <laughs> but it was just incredibly unfortunate. And I was absolutely gutted to not, not be able to be a part of that. Because, you know, this is just another step that we have to take in really showcasing what it is that we 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 can bring to the 
to the table in, in order to attract talent to join the organization and i think you know in the past we've we've maybe never had to be so uh so dynamic we've we've maybe had we've relied a little bit more on our brand you know four seasons an incredibly strong brand we attract you know people from all around the world and of course in the days prior to brexit it was you know easy movement of people around the world uh it's definitely much more challenging now and i think what that has done is made us uh take a hard look at how do we build our profile how do we share the great work that we do and how do we allow you know those individuals who are out there in the in the in you know in the industry who are looking to move can see exactly what four seasons has to offer and and that's what we tried to get into that video it was about the spirit it was about it's not about you know it's not about you know the it's not about the salary it's not about you know the, the all of the benefits it's about it's about the smiles on the faces of what are you going to be who are you going to be working with every day how are these people going to make me feel and how am I going to how am I going to fit in with the values of this of this organization? And that's what we're trying to share so that, um, you know, we we can we can have that ourselves positioned in, in the marketplace to attract great talent. And I guess it is a new medium. It's a, for me doing I mean, podcasts are hard enough, but I mean, I've, we've had to do videos and bits and pieces or TikTok. I think is another thing that's for someone of my era you know it's something that i was never really comfortable or familiar with um but now it's it's like it must be you've got to embrace all of the opportunities to get the new to, to reach the the audience and target audience you want to reach yeah i, I and, mean i absolutely and I, I couldn't i couldn't um agree with you more that we we're having to be curious ourselves as a as an organization about how we do that you know what is our val um our employee value proposition how do we build that? What is our employee brand? How do we communicate that brand? And then, of course, how do we how do we put it out there on the various you know media streams that there are? And, and you know, you're right. TikTok is just one of them. Um, I'm not on TikTok yet, so <laughs> so, so don't be, be looking for me. But it's it's definitely something that you know we're we're, we're seeing lots of our. Um, you know, lots of, of the companies in, in the sector really trying to embrace that. Mm -hmm. So you don't we think, will have to do the same. You don't think Gerald Butler's got anything to worry about in his acting career yet then? <laughs> uh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> but watch out for my next video. Who knows? Who knows? And I see in summer this year, you're opening the a new restaurant, the uh, Pavilion, is it? Yeah, Pavilion. Yeah, yeah. Pavilion London. How's yeah. the recruitment going on that? Is it... Um, yeah, we've been really, really surprised just with, you know, there's an incredible amount of interest in in this opening during uh, during the, the summer of this year. Do you it's, do you do the recruitment or does Chef Yannick do it? Yeah, we, we, you, we're, 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 yeah we're, we're doing all of the recruitment and it's 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 going well. We're we're really excited about it. It's it's an incredible partnership. Um, you know, we've we've read a, uh, seen and read a lot of the press that, you know, it's definitely one of the the hottest open restaurant openings this year and you know we're delighted we're yeah, absolutely delighted we can't wait to welcome people to come and yeah. come and see it experience it and, and just you know be a part of it because it is it's an incredible opportunity for uh, our team you know to to be a part of it and yeah we're super super excited about it and and in terms of opening a restaurant i mean because obviously that when you're doing a bit of luxury hotels, you've got all your different departments. Like you know, you've got your F and B, and whereas if you're opening a restaurant, just a normal restaurant, with all you know, due respect, you've got your 
um, front of house and your um, chefs, obviously, in other parts. But because you're in a massive big hotel with all the different departments required to recruit, is restaurants proving, you know, restaurant staff, F&B, really proving still as challenging as what I, I heard last year? You know, we we haven't found it as challenging. Uh, and again, I'm I'm without any hard facts yet, you know, to, to sort of support it. I'd say that, you know, we uh, the strong brand that we have, the, the great uh, employee value proposition, the, the benefits packages that we have available, the culture that we have. And, and that is really attractive. You know, there's so much. It, it, we've got two great brands here. You know, Yannick is one of the you know, most decorated French chefs that there are with, with Michelin stars. And, and that's, you know, we couldn't have asked for a better partner. Uh, and with Four Seasons, you know, being uh, and the site that we are and, and being the, you know, our hotel was the first hotel outside of Canada to be built in, in 1970. So it really has such a, an important part in our in our heritage and we want to we want to just you know we want to share that with with all of the london community we want the london community to come into our hotel and celebrate what four seasons is and what uh, yana Colino has to to offer from from a restaurant perspective so yeah we're we're, we're super excited we can't wait for oh, this great to, to anticipation yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and it's all is it looking as though it's all going to summer yeah yeah still yeah, yeah, yeah it will it will in the in the middle of the summer that will we will open Great, great. Well, in Series 1, there were a lot of issues raised for the challenges of UK hospitality. Uh, in particular, you know, what we just talked about, recruitment retention. Um, Brexit was widely blamed for that, I think. Um, do you think the situation has improved in the UK this year? Or do you think that the outlook still remains, not bleak, but, um, you know, it's going to take a while for, as you said, all the, the, the sort of, thoughts and promotions that you're doing to try and get more people in the UK to see mm. the value or want to have that as an aspiration to have a career in hospitality. Um, and maybe as a sort of loaded question, you know, what initiatives do you think the industry mm. need to take? Because we hear a lot about it, but what some some sort of really strong initiatives that need to be taken to, to, to move things forward on that? Yeah, I mean, we're, we see lots of luxury hotels, um, mid-market hotels, pubs, bars, nightclubs, you know, all of these uh, different businesses are, are all competing for the same talent. And, and you know, we look at that coming into London and, you know, someone might, some people might say, well, you know, that's, that's making our life more difficult. But let's celebrate that. Let's celebrate that all of these businesses are choosing to open in London. They're choosing to bring business. They're going to bring more guests, more clientele, and and you know these these you know all of these guests coming into London are going to be eating and drinking in our bars and being a part of of the the London environment that we love and that that's why we're here. So I I think we've got to look at it from a positive light and say this is happening. We should be celebrating the fact that business is is busy, but let's think about the long term approach to how we we celebrate our hospitality industry. And and that's one of the things that we're 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 not doing. And every business is being left to their own account about how they do that. And and you know I think everyone will have a different opinion about what's the way forward. I I would love to see 
at more conversation at, at grassroots levels in schools and colleges to to talk about how you know these great great careers can be created you know there's if you want to travel the world and 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 have multiple opportunity to you know connect with people and 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 feel that sense of freedom that i felt then then what better way to do it than than the industry and and i guess that comes loud and clear through this interview um mm. find it fascinating I, i've got to say it's really passionate the speakers that come on it's terrific to hear the passion for it i just wonder how it can be sort of bottled and then sprayed over all the sort of colleges and universities or even schools to make people think that because i guess it's down to the likes of yourself having time to go into the schools and maybe actually sh- yeah. tell them about like, your your journey because people i don't know it just it doesn't seem to i mean and plain devil's advocate, you're in a luxury market and your restaurants, people, as you mm-hmm. say, because of Chef Yannick, they'll come for the Michelin star and everything. But I must admit, out in certain parts, and having lived down here in London for over 10 plus years, I go out sometimes to Surrey and I, and I hear people say, my friends, when we're, and they say, oh, I went to such and such mm-hmm. restaurant and they struggled because they didn't have enough staff on. Yeah. And I suppose it's a balance because I, I hear a lot of chefs who are running restaurants and restaurant owners saying they want to give more time off for their staff, maybe closing and doing four days a week rather than six or whatever. Mm. Um, but I've heard people who are running like restaurants and they've said, well, I'm sorry, it took you your meal 40 minutes to arrive because we didn't have enough staff. So there is still, maybe as I say, more outside of the the, 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 hospi- the, the, the five-star sort of establishments here. But certainly I, I've come across some of my esteemed friends sort of saying well my goodness we went for a, a you know a, a Sunday meal and it, it took ages to get served sort of thing so you know and I, I think back to my time in Scotland because I think it, it adds a bit of context for me about how challenging that can be and you know we we used to have back then an incredible relationship with the local schools you know we used to really work in partnership with them we used to you know go in and, and conduct presentations we used to do mock interviews we were we were really by their side as as a business partner uh and i i have found that as i've now come into a much bigger city like london how challenging that has now become to really feel a sense of community where you can connect with schools and colleges because london is so vast and it's really knowing where you can where to go who to connect with and how to build those relationships and i think that you know i don't want to speak on behalf of all of the you know the other hotels i mean that it wouldn't be fair yeah. of me to do so but i i think that there's sometimes you just don't know where to go and and we have to remember where our people and culture teams and hotels have been over the last couple of years um it has been a very sort of reactive process of uh you know finding people Let, let's let's scramble to to get ourselves up to full speed again and, and maybe that's one of the things that has not dropped off the radar, but it's something that maybe needs to come back on the agenda so that we're all proactively out there building relationships again and, and connecting with, with the young people who, of course, will be our talent pool for, for the next five years, ten years. I, I, it's a really good sort of part to sort of finish. Give back something, I guess, is what mm. you're sort of saying. I, I, I take it that, you know, you feel maybe that your career has been really successful, you're really done well, but maybe there is a point where you might feel detached from your potential 
people that you know, the youngsters, the real young, that, yeah. that could be seeing the value of a career. Well, on that note, Derek, I think that's been fantastic. So thanks for your valuable insights. Really appreciate it. Thanks for taking time out of your really busy schedule. And so until the next time, listeners, here's to your tomorrow. Thank you for tuning in to the Damn Good Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help us reach more ears. If you want to hear more from the Damn Good Podcast, you can listen to Serious One Now, which is available at our website at www.damngoodpensions.com or wherever you get your podcast from. If you'd like us to put a question to one of our esteemed guests, please do not hesitate to get in touch. Until the next time, here's to your tomorrow. <laughs>